Welcome in. It's the Holy Grail BCJ podcast here on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Dave Simone, and it is uh, it's time to hit our hit our stride, Dave. There's there's a game in the books. There's a ranked team coming into Nippert Stadium Saturday afternoon. Still not going to be any fans there, unfortunately. But I digress. All in all, though, it, it almost feels actually like fall. Yeah. Bearcat, BearcatJournal.com. It almost feels normal. Outside of no Simone family tailgates. That's right. Uh, did, how, many, uh, how many beers did you have before the game on Saturday? You were uh, golfing, weren't you? None. I was golfing. Uh, we got there quite early and had a two-hour two hour frost delay. Ooh. That cold in Michigan, huh? Oh, it was. It got into the twenties. Oh, overnight. So it was like thirty-six when we got there. It ended up being beautiful. Like it warmed up fast, and it was sunny. It was great. Perfect golf weather. But yeah, I um was trying to fire up my ESPN Plus on my phone, and I got it working with like thirteen minutes and chain to change to go in the first quarter, and I'd already missed a touchdown. <laughs> So from that point on, I kind of paid attention sparingly, and then I rewatched the game on Monday to to kind of get everything that I needed to take in. Well, I mean, I don't. There's not a, a ton to talk about here. It, uh, people are, uh, I think, overanalyzing uh, uh, this game a little bit. You could say that. Uh, I, I think I, I saw what I wanted to see for the most part. I, I think part of that is probably just the whole like we didn't think we were going to have a season. Yeah. And now we got one, so we need to like dig into every game. Um, like it might be your last. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my biggest things that I kind of noticed, good and bad would be I felt like at the beginning they were just a step slow. Like maybe, you know, offensively holes, rush run lanes were closing up a little quicker. Defensively, maybe just like a step off of receivers at first. And that's probably the fact that's, that Austin P was in their third game and we yeah. were in our first. And regardless of like talent level or competition, if you've been running routes or you've been – playing defense in game-like atmosphere twice, and one of those being against Pitt, who's, you know, it's got similar players, similar talent level to UC. You're just going to be more confident in what you're doing. And I, I think that got cleaned up. I just felt like watching, you could just kind of see it was, it was just an adjustment, like a first game always is, but you're usually not going up against a team that's already played twice. And playing their last game of the season. Right. I mean, and they had a terrible outing against Pitt. Their coach said there's no way we're going to do that again. So they had a lot of things that they were, you know, wanting to, to end this, I guess you call it their fall season, on as good of a note as they possibly could. Um, I thought Des had a good game. I thought he had two throws that I – would have labeled as bad throws. I think the one Jason Jackson was wide open. Yeah, the 
There was a third down th- – well, that would be three then. The deep ball that he overthrew, there was a third down throw in the third quarter that he just missed. Um, open guy kind of in the flats on our sidelines just overthrew him. Knew it right away. Like, buried his – you know, was, was mad right away. And then there was a throw into the, like, Bearcat layer end zone that should have been intercepted where he just didn't Bruno. see the – didn't see the safety or the corner leave leave his man and come to the middle and the guy dropped it. So I mean, yeah, that was that was to to Bruno Labelle and it looked like I was in that end zone. There was a period where it looked like Bruno was wide open, and then the guy came off of his well, man that and, and came is over. Yeah, to, supposed to do. So um, they, he got tricked there for sure. Yeah. So I mean, three throws. I thought he did a good job of not forcing things. I really liked the four throws to Dokes. I liked the eight throws to the tight ends. I think both of those positions can be huge mismatches this year. Um, I know everyone, when they think about explosive offense, they think about shots down the field. That doesn't have to be the case for you to be explosive. Like, Finding and running those plays for running backs, uh, Dokes had one in the second quarter. I liked the play design where they kind of flooded out. They brought the, the receivers that were on the, the low side of the field on the UC sideline kind of through the middle away and brought Dokes underneath them, and there was a big game down the side, and there was nobody there. So, you know, I think – you can have an explosive offense and still utilize your tight ends and your running back. This team should do because they have emerging tight ends that all offer a different skill set. And they have the same thing with running backs. All the running backs seem like they're very capable of catching the ball out of the backfield. And they need to use that because it's a mismatch that teams aren't going to be able to match up with. Um, um. I would also say, while he didn't have a big statistical day, one catch for 18 yards, I was pretty impressed with, with freshman wide receiver Jaden Thompson in his college football debut. Yeah, I mean, you, you could see better than, you know, you could focus on players better than, than I could or anyone watching on TV. Yeah. So, I mean, they had that one target in the in the end zone that, you know, he jumped up for and tried to come down with, and then the, the catch itself. But I think that's the thing is, like, these guys, you don't really notice, and maybe it'll be different against way better competition, but you just don't notice that they're freshmen anymore. Like, it doesn't – you used to be like, oh, no way we can put a freshman wide receiver out there. Like, he's going to be totally overmatched, and that's just not the case. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't look any different than than – Jordan Jones and Michael Young. No. Physically. No. So I, I I thought he had there were some times I saw where I thought he had some separation. And they just didn't throw it to him. Yeah. Um, but for a for a freshman playing in his first ever game, starting at the boundary wide receiver spot, the number one wide receiver spot, uh, I, I think the future is very bright with that young man. Yeah. I mean it, it, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be. Um, I'm not really concerned about giving up a couple late scores. I mean, the 64-yard touchdown run was by their starter. 
against our third and fourth string slash fourth string true freshman defensive players. If their starting running back is still in the game, then I think you can, you know, conclude that their starting offensive line or at least portions of their starting offensive line were probably still in the game. Again, being it's it, being that it was their last of this fall season, you know, they're going to play their seniors. Maybe who knows if they have a, a spring season, like you're not going to just start playing a bunch of freshmen because UC's up 40 and they're playing freshmen. Like you owe it to your seniors that, yeah, we don't know if we're going to play in the spring. And as you mentioned, they kind of quit in that pit game. Like, they, they threw in the towel. Did. So, this was their head coach emphasizing playing all the way through four quarters. I mean, they agreed to play 10-minute quarters. That right there is giving up in and of yeah. itself. Yeah. So, not real concerned about that. Uh, liked the fact that we did not commit our first penalty until midway through the third quarter, being as that was – quite the issue at times, well, maybe pretty much all the time last year. I'm not big on correlating penalties with good or bad, but obviously you don't want stupid ones. Um, so I thought that was good. But, yeah, I mean, there's – it's the first game in a weird year where we had fall camp and then took a break and then, like, started conditioning again and then game prep and now – and also prepped part of that for Army – they put up 55. It was 42 to 6 in the third quarter. Uh, there's not much more that I really need to dig into. Yeah, it was it was pretty much what I wanted to see. I mean, I, I thought the defense maybe could have been a little bit more uh, locked in. But I'm, I'm not surprised that they weren't at 100% yet. Um, yeah, they had two, a 14 play and a 15 play scoring drive, but they also, I mean, did Austin P do anything more than a three-step drop? No. So, how, I mean, what do you, like, if you're just going to throw the ball as soon as you get it for, you know, under five yards and then hope your wide receiver makes some yardage after that, I mean, what are you going to do? Like, you're, you're not just going to start playing press man every single play because that's not what you do. You still have to run your principles. You still have to do what you're being – you've been coached to do, what you what you teach. So, that's that's not something that they're going to – I mean, they had no chance to protect the guy if they did anything other than that. Right. And I don't know if this got talked about on the broadcast. Um, my Jay got held probably seven times right in front of the, the, the referee, right in front of the referee every time. And every time the referee looked at him and just kind of like shrugged, like, look, yeah. man, there's no way this guy's going to stop you. If I let you go. That's like, I always equate that to like what we call Saturday morning basketball. Like we, my team or whatever, your team, whoever's killing some other team when you're in like fourth, fifth grade and you get fouled and the ref just looks at you and he's like, I just want to get out of here. I'm not calling that you're beating them by 30. Like, yeah, it's whatever. Um, I didn't take a whole lot of, I mean, they got in, they got out, they scored on their first four possessions. Yeah. They gave up two drives at the start of each half. But other than that, like overall it was what, I mean, it was what? 49 to six. 42 to six at one point. 
I think it was forty-nine to six before they scored their one of their two no, touchdowns. We, we missed the forty. It would have been forty-eight because we missed the extra point. Yeah, the, the missed extra point. I, I was thinking it was on the last one. It was on the uh, yeah, it was on the the, the Ben Bryant run, not yeah. on the Wiley touchdown. I mean, like if they'd have won sixty to nothing and looked great, it really doesn't change anything because of the circumstances. Right. So I I don't think we need to spend no I'm, a whole lot of time on need, Austin P. Really need to spend any more time. Uh, was there anybody you you that surprised you that looked better than you you thought? Mm. It was good to see Wiley have that type of day. Yeah, I mean he's 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 had he has that ability. Um, we just need to see it. And if he can be that guy, I mean, if you have someone on any level like that, that is big and fast and can control the middle of the field, it changes everything for your other wide receivers. Absolutely. And we've, that's what we've been waiting for is we've been waiting, like, we've kind of for the last couple of years been like, yeah, we like these guys, but they can't get open. Well, if you have him going down the middle of the field, someone's going to be getting open because he's drawing attention, whether it's from a nickel, whether it's from a safety, a linebacker and a safety. Like, someone is going to be open somewhere because they're certainly not just going to let the 6'6 guy just stroll his way down the middle of the field all day long. Well, and that was kind of – I mean, that was really the one rub on DeGuara is that he didn't have that size really to be a factor down the seam. It, his stuff was more underneath stuff or corner routes or like outbreaking stuff. Yeah, unless you're playing UConn. Yeah. That's like playing high school. So, right. um, But Josh definitely gives you that element, and Lenny gives you that element. And Len, I don't think people realize yeah. how big Lenny is. He's huge. And he moves. Like, it's not just, you know, he's not just, when you look at him, you think he's like an inline blocking guy. No, I split him out just as, I mean, his touchdown against Memphis, he was split out. Yeah. He had a third and 14 catch Saturday. Then I don't know if he was split out, but it was, it was outside the numbers. Yeah. Like, it, he wasn't, it's not just some little pop pass, you know, to him five yards off the line of scrimmage. And Bruno looked good. So uh, you, yeah. you got exactly what you wanted from all three of your tight ends. I, mean, I think Bruno steps into what Josiah was in the, Josiah. In the past game. In the past game. Like, a little bit, yeah. Not the, not, I'm not comparing them as players, but like he's the guy that – Josiah made all that money off those drag routes and those quick little – where Dez would just roll out and hit him and no team for whatever reason covered him and he'd always, you know, get seven, eight, ten yards. Those are the type of routes I think Bruno fits into. I think the other two guys fit more into what they've now called like the K position, the Travis Kelsey type. Yeah. Like the more split out, work the seams, have more, you know, a bigger route tree, so to speak. Yep. Um, defense was was pretty vanilla. Like I, I nothing really jumped out at me defensively. I thought they – other than those two drives and then, you know, the freshman in the fourth quarter, I thought they were good. You know, you weren't going to get any time to get to the quarterback with a three-step drop. Um, 
there, yeah. there wasn't – there's just not a, a whole lot to even really discuss defensively, I don't think. Um, all right. Well, let's, uh, let's keep it moving then. Let's get to the, the, the Army triple option, Dave. Well, um, first off, I, I guess it's, it's got to be like standard operating procedure now. You were at practice on Tuesday. Yeah. Was everyone, to your knowledge, accounted for? Yes. Except okay. for, obviously, Alec Pierce. Alec Pierce. Yeah, I feel like that's uh, like – we have to talk about that now because, like, we had yeah. three, three games postponed slash canceled today. It's like – it's like this, as important as anything. Like, did you see everybody? Yeah, everybody was there. Right? <sighs> oh, hold on a second. Um, I haven't slept in three nights. It's been awful. Um, I, I think it's gotten to the point where they're not releasing numbers because they're, uh, they're being very superstitious about it now. <laughs> um, but uh, from my understanding, everything is good on the, uh, the testing front. If, if that's the question you're indirectly asking. That's and, the question I'm directly asking. Directly asking. <laughs> uh, and my understanding is really no injuries coming out of that game, which that's exactly what you're looking for. You got a blowout. Yeah. You, you got everybody action, and they played 70-plus guys, and everybody I if, came out I healthy. If that's a, I wonder if, that, if we could find out from Cause if that's a record. It's got to be somewhere close because I think in, I heard know, like seventy-eight. In the old days, you couldn't put a freshman in for one right. snap and still redshirt. Well, exactly. So I mean, unless you unless he got hurt, got um, hurt. Yeah, because that never that, happens. Yeah, Tuberville and and company never did that. Um, unless you know, so it, it probably has to be close. I would and think you know what, it like, is. I mean, that's that's a lot of guys. It's, you got a lot of, like, walk-ons that are, are guys that can play, like, special teams or that can, that can help you. I mean, Ryan Royer and, and Nate Lawler and uh, Michael Keyes. Michael Keyes looks like a dude. Like, yeah. if you see Michael Keyes on the field, you're like, who is that? Is that a friend? When did he get here? Um. And then did the I, I don't I forget his name off the top of my head, but like did the kid from David's the transfer from Davidson did he play? I didn't see him. Because he's like another one of those guys. Like Yeah. He's like, oh, he plays linebacker for us. Like, oh yeah, okay. Or D line um, or something. I mean Um and then, you know, uh Kappa Gordowski, um there's another running back that, that saw some action that's a walk-on. Uh, obviously, yeah. you had Wyatt Cam, Fisher Cam out there. Jones, Cam, I think. Cam, or, Cam, uh, Miller, Cam Miller, something like that. Uh, you had um, Wyatt Fisher out there. Yeah. He, might be on, he might be on scholarship by now. I don't know. They, that's the other thing. We don't, like, we have no idea. They don't they, ever make that stuff public. It so must have kid difficult. says something or someone says something. We don't know who's on scholarship that wasn't last year or stuff like that. Um, so you've got a lot of those type guys that are, are getting on the field and, and helping out in, in special teams, which I think that like, it's, it's not talked about much, but when you have guys like that, that can actually help you on special teams and you don't have to use your starters on special teams, like that's massive. 
Yeah. Look at look at you know all the the uh, times you, you got a guy that gets hurt out on special teams that you wish you had a walk on quality guy you could put out there that could get the job done, uh, and you wouldn't have to use those guys. So, yeah, that was. But it, yeah, everybody everybody uh, to my knowledge was present and accounted for yesterday. I even I even saw Garen Prater. Um, out on the sidelines he was he wasn't dressed but uh he's recovering from injury still no sign of, of blue smith uh we we haven't we haven't seen him since uh the the third day of spring practice was the last time i saw blue smith yeah. he's recovering from surgery for those it's nothing nefarious it's nothing crazy but he is uh he's been recovering from surgery and has not been around so all right, all right. army Army, (laughs) give me your take. First off, before I say anything, I must say hashtag respect the troops. Nothing that I say moving forward has anything to do with my love for the men of West Point. That said, I'm not worried about this game one little bit. Is that too much? Yes. I think it is. Okay. I, I think UC wins this game, um, but I think there are reasons to worry. What well, are why they? are you – Why are you, okay. Um, Luke Fickle keeps insisting or insinuating that they're going to run a three-man front against the triple option. I don't believe him. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to believe him. Because I but, then want – my next question would be, why do you have five defensive backs on the field? Against the triple out. Well, right. Yeah. They're just covering grass. (laughs) Um, Two, I I think defensively they present problems. They've got good speed. They're aggressive. They've been a top 30 defense the past couple years. I think, you know, the reason – I think we spent too much time talking about Navy 2018. The reason that game got out of hand the way it did is because offensively they jumped out big quick and Navy never really could settle into their triple option. Also, the reason Navy could never settle into their triple option is because you had two NFL defensive tackles that just kicked Navy's ass at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, And, and Malcolm Perry wasn't playing quarterback then. Yes, yes. Um. So I, I think Army has a better quarterback. I, I Look, I like the defensive tackles. I do not think they are Cortez Broughton and Marquise Copeland at, at this point in time. Um, no, but are the are the sum of the parts better than the individuals? Uh, not necessarily. I think I would take that defense against a triple option as opposed to this defense against a triple option, at least – going into the game. One, yeah. that defense had far more experience at linebacker. Yes. Which this team does not. So uh, putting four linebackers on the field, I, I don't know how – I don't know that that's as effective as we saw two years ago. Um, I think it's more likely you probably see like a Derek Forrest come down in the box. What if a- – what if the three down linemen were really 
three down linemen that turned into five down linemen with two linebackers. Can I interest you in that formation? Uh, you could interest me in it, but I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> they have the they have the guys in the depth to do it. Here's the other thing, Dave. This is not uh, this triple option is a little different in that they run it at tempo. And they are purposely trying to do everything possible to wear you down. Right. So it's a little different than like, you know, you get your three yards and you get up and you huddle and everybody gets a chance to like, you know, collect their thoughts and then they come back at you. They're trying to come at you with speed, which I, I think – makes it even more difficult to defend because you're just scrambling so much to even get set up in time before they, they get the playoff. So I think there are things with it that are going to take some time to get this team to adjust to. And I, I think you're doing it against a defense that you're not just going to march up and down the field on. Like that's my, that's my main thing is, I think bigger than than slowing down the triple option itself, <clears throat> if you can put pressure on it by getting up <clears throat> 14, 17 points, then you take them out of, you know, what they really want to do. And now they're trying to hit, you know, doubles and home runs instead of the steady, you know, just beating you over the head with walks and singles. Um so I do think there is plenty of reason to be concerned here. I think over 60 minutes in Nippert Stadium, I think Cincinnati uh, grinds it out. But I, I don't think this is going to be uh, a cakewalk. Well, that's good that we're on opposite sides then. Well, give me why, – why is it going to be a bloodbath? Because the teams they've played are barely better than Austin P so far. Okay. So I can't hardly take anything from that. I watched some highlights of their game against Louisiana Monroe where six guys were tackling the guy that didn't have the ball, and the guy with the ball was 20 yards downfield. Michael Jackson moonwalking into the end zone. Like, yeah, I don't think you're going to Cincinnati, see Cincinnati do that. No. It's, this is, it's like it's hard to stop the triple, except it's not. If you just tackle the fullback on every play. Just tackle him, whether yeah, he has the ball or not. You just tackle the fullback on every play, and you can and you can slow it down. I don't like. I guess the other part of me is like, if this is really the thirteenth ranked team in the country, then they should have no problem with these guys. They're favored by fourteen and a half. ESPN S and P Plus has it at a fifteen point nine margin, and UC covering. So running all the numbers that. Bill Conley does, whether I think sometimes they're stupid or not. He doesn't think this game is close, regardless of their defense or the triple. So I'm like, like you kind of said, over 60 minutes. Now, you have, you have roughly probably a third less possessions than you would have in a normal game, regardless of how well they're doing, just because they run the ball so much. 
I mean, if, if they get two first downs and then have to punt, they're still burning five minutes off the clock. Yeah, you're not going to get as many possessions against so them. You're and, probably and, looking at, I don't know, seven possessions instead of maybe like 11 or 12 in a normal quote-unquote game. Could be more depending on how frequently each team is scoring. Um, I just don't – I don't see – like, I don't see them going on these, like, on these silly drives like UC gave up last week to Austin P. 14, 15 plays, like they got against Middle Tennessee State when they basically had the ball for the, an entire quarter. 19 plays, 99 yards, like 14-plus minutes of possession. I don't see that happening. No, I don't, I don't necessarily either. No, I'm not saying they're not going to break – a couple long runs. I mean, that, that just, that's part of the deal. I mean, you can't run the ball that much out of a formation that is not common that you don't really practice for that uh, practice for at all, unless you're playing Navy or, or them and not expect to give up a couple big runs. Like yeah. they rush the ball for like 500, 600 yards a game. They're not all on seven, eight yard runs, but it's it's just difficult for me to see this defense with these coaches and yes, there's some inexperience, but there's also a lot of experience. Just being just all of a sudden getting manhandled up and down the field, giving up thirty something points, which basically means that Navy, the Army is scoring a touchdown on almost every one of their drives. You you think there's only five possessions each in this game? No, there's probably like six or seven, but if they score 30-something points and they score four touchdowns and a field goal, then they've scored a touchdown on almost all their drives. They get a, over 30. Yeah. Which I just don't I, – I can't see it. I mean, I, I think it probably ends up in the 10 to 14-point range for a UC win. I think, I think the line's at, what, 11 and a half is where it, I saw it. No, it's, it started there and went to 14 and a half. No, it started at 13 and a half, went down to 11 and a half. Here, and then everybody jumped all over it, and I, it went, maybe it went back up to that. Oh, look, great. 13 and a half right now. Okay. So it's back to where it started. Which I – I would be tempted to take Army in that. But and I, Disclaimer, I do not gamble. <laughs> I would be tempted to take Army. Yeah, I would be tempted to take Army because I think it's going to be somewhere in the 10 to 14 range. Uh, 10, 11, 12, 13 would get you Army. 14 would, would take it to Cincinnati. So that's kind of what I'm thinking. That's where my brain is at. You're thinking 14 to 20 range. Uh, I haven't decided on an exact number. I don't think I would go up. Up to twenty, I think it's. I think that line is is a very good one to see action on both sides, um, which is obviously the goal of Vegas to just yes. get everyone to bet on both teams. Those big buildings didn't build themselves. But yeah, I would. That's kind of where I am. Is we're not too far off. Probably in like the thirteen to seventeen range. All right. We're, we're in the general vicinity of each other. You have UC with probably a, an extra field goal or touchdown than I do. Yeah, probably somewhere there. 
I just, what, don't, what do I, don't, you... I just don't see it as like some nip tuck back and forth winning team scores a late touchdown to to win type deal. I I don't see that. I think it's 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 a back and forth into the third quarter, where then maybe UC scores, gets a stop, gets a score, and kind of takes control of the game into the fourth quarter, and you know tries to at least make Army a little bit multi-dimensional because they've thrown what three passes all year nine they're three for nine okay they've completed three passes all year um what are you what are you looking to see what what do you want to see from the bearcats to call it a successful day a win thanks dave that's what that's (laughs) why people listen right for these uh in-depth that was that was expert uh, I thought the offensive line pass blocked really well. I'd like to see them run block better. Um, I would like to see more of Charles Chuck, Chuck yeah. Trey Tucker, and Tyler Scott on the outside. Um, I mean, you, you've got these guys with speed. Let's use them. I know that Tyler Scott one. looked. Tyler Scott looked pretty damn fast on. It was just one game, so it's not like I'm. This is some indictment on the play calling or anything. But like, let's use him. Like, pound Dokes up the middle and off tackle, and then hit him with, hit him with these guys wide. And that's another thing. Like, you put Wiley in, you run him down the middle a few times, pull that safety out of there, and then you come back with a jet play. And all he all he's got to do is beat one guy, like Trey Tucker did. I mean, all he had to do is get around the defensive end. And there was one guy to tackle him, and I forget what wide receiver it was, but blocked the guy into the end zone practically. I think um, it was Jay Sean. And that was – that's that's one thing I did want to hit on. Um, and I, I – Justin Williams and I were talking about this yesterday at practice, and I called dibs because I mentioned it first. The downfield blocking was outstanding. Now, maybe it's just that it was Austin P. But that's an effort. Like that's that's something that generally translates. Doesn't matter who you're playing. That's an, I don't think that's an Austin P thing. Like like I mean, you either want to be a wide receiver that blocks or you don't. And it's not like these other corners for Army or Central Florida are going to be like six three two fifteen. I mean, they're all roughly right. the same size guys, um, give or take one guy here or there. So it's it's not like we just overpowered them physically with our, you know, five eleven, six foot, hundred and eighty five to two hundred pound wide receivers. I don't see that as what happened. You just they just blocked them. Um, yeah, and 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 exceptionally well, especially thirty forty yards downfield. That's a that's a that's that's a team thing. That's yeah. a one I mean, two. I want to see how Forrest and Wiggins are used because for against a team that doesn't throw, if you have Sauce and he's as good as we all think, he needs no help in this game. Yeah. If they put a guy out wide, okay, cover him. We're not giving you any help. So here's our two safeties can come down, support, and then it's just kind of like, how do the defensive? How do the defensive tackles? And really, the defensive tackles are huge. But they make big. They make their big plays because your defensive ends and linebackers don't know how to play the pitch. 
Like, they'll, they'll bust that fullback up there a few times. He might break one because you just miss a tackle. You don't see him with the ball or whatever. But, like, if you remember back to when we got railroaded the first game by Navy, it wasn't the stuff up the middle. It was the stuff on the outside that we weren't playing the pitch very well. Yeah, the corners the were corners awful couldn't on that get game. Off the, wide rece- the corners couldn't get off the wide receiver blocks. The corners so, were awful that game. Awful. While Broughton and Copeland – dominated the interior against Navy, you still have to be able to read the pitch right because that's the thing that you don't see very often. You yeah. see teams run the ball up the middle. They just don't do it with slot backs and the threat of the option. So I want to see the defensive ends and the young linebackers reading plays correctly, you know, not having – multiple guys going at the quarterback, leaving the pitchman wide open or vice versa, getting faked out by a pitch. Um, just, you know, basic fundamentals of playing the triple option, but it's hard to do because you don't ever have to do it. Correct. Correct. So while they're, while Army and Navy aren't the same, just the fact that a lot of these guys – either played in that game, game prepped in that game, had to watch film for that game. Like, that's all a huge, huge advantage because most of the time it's all green for everybody. Like, we're doing all of this for the first time, and no one can say, hey, remember when we did this two years ago and it worked? Okay, we're going to do that again. Or remember when we did this? And it worked, but now we can do this little wrinkle because we have X player. Like, most of the time you get crushed by it because nobody has a clue what the hell they're doing. And a lot of guys at least have an idea of what to do this time around. And you're still on mute. (laughs) Sorry, I had to blow my nose. I didn't want to blow my nose into the – Microphone. Um, anything else uh, you want to hit on in the Army game here? I don't think so. Wow. Well, we've, we've got 20 minutes to fill, then. <laughs> well, should we, should we talk about how uh, – So, uh, we'll get your score in the, Friday. In the prediction, in the article, piece. In the prediction yes. piece Friday. We'll get your score there. Um, reminder to staff to get those submitted by uh, Thursday night and not Friday after I already uh, write the piece, publish that wasn't the piece. Me. I didn't say it was you. Just a I'm reminder to, just I'm a reminder to staff. I'm just, letting, I'm just letting it be known that. <laughs> um, you're taking the Bearcats. Com- comfy. Comfy. All right. I, I think it'll be at least reasonably in doubt going into the fourth quarter. We'll see from there. I, I, I do, I do think the Bearcats win, but a little closer than what Dave anticipates. Um, what did you, what, what do you got? What, what are we going to talk about? Should we, should we talk about like, will Memphis play a game before they come here on Halloween? How about Houston? Is Houston going to play a game? They're a week later. So maybe they'll, they have a chance to get one in. I mean, Four games canceled. Houston's had five. Is it five now? I thought this was the four, the fourth. I, I saw today that it was five. Now I've been radio throws me off, man. Because they had they had Rice, 
And then they had Washington State, and the Pac-12 pulled that. Then they were supposed to get Memphis, and the party bus, you know, squashed that one. Um, but, yeah, this is like – Now, Houston, now North Texas. That... North Texas got canceled today. Okay. Uh, Rice, Wazoo, Memphis, Baylor, North Texas. Oh, Baylor. I forgot Baylor. <laughs> so, they don't have a game until October 8th. Houston. Like with, with USF, their game got postponed this weekend against FAU. Obviously, if you're listening to this, you know that they come to Cincinnati on the third. It made it sound like now there's been rule like I think no one in Florida has been like releasing actual info, like none of the schools. No. But the wording of the release made it insinuated that it was like, hey, this was Notre Dame's problem, not ours. We're just, like, being super careful here. Because they had no one test positive on the Friday before the game. They had no one test positive on Monday. And they didn't say if anybody tested positive today. So I'm kind of thinking that this is just them being, like, really careful in a game that doesn't really matter to them. But you got to get on the field. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, would you rather – like, after you just got waylaid by Notre Dame, would you rather play or do you – or for that type of a team, do they need the – like, is the practice more important? I mean, I I get – basically what they said was they're they're just waiting for the results to come in from the testing today, which um, we did – have a little conversation with with Bob Mangine on, on this in that the concern is not the Monday testing because the incubation period like you're not going to know guys aren't going to pop positive on Monday right if you, if you got it from someone in the game on Saturday you probably it's probably not showing up on Monday so the Wednesday test is when that would would show up so I, I'm thinking that's what that was about so I don't look too much into that unless we see, like, tomorrow and Friday get canceled practice. Right. Well, so I still don't know if, if the whole, like, contact tracing thing is getting enough attention. Like, that is, hurt, that is killing these games way more than actual positive tests are. Yeah, to an extent. I mean, you've got to be careful with guys and – You've got to find out who's positive before and and, and who's not. Uh, but we knew that. Like that that's yeah. not a that's not a surprise. That was something that that people warned of. Like the 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 quarantine for COVID is ten days. The isolation and quarantine for contact tracing is fourteen days. You're actually out longer. Yeah, that's what, that's what happened to the Arkansas State-Tulsa game. Arkansas yeah. State said they didn't have enough guys at some position, which part of me wants to go, boo-hoo. Like, I, if, look, if, here's, here's if the all my position. running backs blow their knee out, we're not, not playing because I don't have any running backs. I, I think the only position that really matters is offensive line. I Maybe do defensive line. Maybe defensive think it matters, line. Like, often, it matters, but, like – like you got 105 guys. It doesn't have you, to be even and fair. Like this is part of the deal. Yeah, but if you don't have enough defensive line guys against a healthy offensive line and you've got two defensive linemen healthy, like 
you're at a serious competitive disadvantage. So okay, <laughs> I'm cut there. I just want I just want the game. I know. To I know. Offensive line. If you I, can't I, run out that's five, kind of like a I feel like that's kind of like a cop out though, because like who's determining that? Like we got six offensive linemen out. We still got like like ten, but they're not a good ten, so we can't play. No, I think it has to literally be like you have four offensive linemen on your roster that can play, and that then then you have a problem. If you got if you got six, I hope, you got five starters and a and a and a backup. Let's I go. hope that's the case, but part of me feels like it's oh we can't play and be competitive. Not we just can't play. Like yeah, if you only got four offensive linemen, I mean, I I'm fine with that, but I feel like there's some. Some hedging going on. Maybe. I'm, I, look, there's a lot of people. That, look, jobs are at stake. <laughs> yeah, that's know. what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. My starters are all out. I got all these freshmen that I don't really want to play. Oh, we'll just say that uh, we don't have enough offensive line. You got to take you at your word for it. Yeah, because, you know, football coaches are the epitome of honest. but we knew the american was gonna be a shit show sorry dan like we knew this coming in given where the these teams are located and where the the virus spreads who they were scheduling like yeah scheduling austin p and army turned out to be one of the smarter things because like army they're not getting going anywhere they're not no they're locked in they're literally locked inside the walls at army Thankfully, we're not playing Miami, Ohio this year. The whole team would have COVID. Well, that game would have never happened. <laughs> I mean, they've gone. They've gone the uh, the LSU route. That when when the Mac starts playing, you don't have to worry about Miami because everybody's had it and has recovered. It's. I mean, you wonder like what's going like. Everyone is supposedly doing like the best they can but like you just look at like numbers in the state and uc has just done so much better than the other schools that have similar student bodies population you just wonder like what what is the difference like what are they doing that no one that other schools aren't doing i think a lot of it is le- internal leadership yeah, like I mean, these guys are holding each other accountable. I'm not even just saying like you're talking about the whole school. I'm, because like it's only it it has to have a, a ripple effect. Like if thousands of kids on campus are testing positive, you have to assume some of the football players are. Like you can't have like three thousand kids at Ohio State or two thousand kids in Miami testing positive and none on the football team. So it, it's a you know. Kudos to everybody at UC. I mean, 321, the last time they updated their dashboard, is the lowest number I've seen for any school, even close to the the size of UC. Yeah. I I feel you. They've done an outstanding job. I don't think there's any question about that. And it's carried over into the football program. and, And as far as I know, into, you know, into the other sports as well. It has not been uh, – we've not seen massive issues at the University you, uh, of Cincinnati. Did you happen to watch any of the UCF Georgia Tech game? A little bit. 
Did you notice anything interesting about that game? Uh, it was a one-score game in the late third, early fourth quarter. That's one thing that I noticed that was interesting. Did you notice anything about, like, the atmosphere of the game? Yeah, there was thousands of people at the bounce house. No, it was at Georgia Tech. Oh. There's thousands. Of, well, it's Atlanta. Nobody – they don't care in Atlanta. But do did, did you know – do you happen to know where the stadium is at Georgia Tech? It's on Tech? campus. Yeah, it's on campus. Like, right in the middle. Yeah. Yep. Just thought I'd point that out. I, 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 it, is Neville Pinto – clearly Neville Pinto is not their president. Clearly he's not. I, <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, it, it is what it is. It is what it is. I know. Doesn't, I, that's I, never kept you or me from ever voicing. I know, I know but that, that, <laughs> that's the decision that they've made. We talked about it last week. Like, that's, that is their belief on this process is that they feel like they, they have a responsibility to protect the campus and protect the safety of the students. And that is why they have not yet uh, really explored putting butts in the seats. I did think it was interesting that uh, the boss man started putting a little pressure on that in the. Yeah, uh, I feel like he was, was he like dropping a hint or being like, like, was he the trial balloon to throw out that this was going to happen? And no, no, I think he was letting them know that uh, that was where he stood on whether there should be fans or not. Yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah. You ask people, this is just a general thing. This isn't like a UC thing, but like we've been, we've all been asked to make sacrifices for going on seven months. The UC population, students, teachers, everybody has done a good job of making those sacrifices. I think they should be rewarded. Like let the kids go to the game. I, I don't disagree. I also think it's interesting now that, you know, they've got the, uh, the, the 15-minute testing. Maybe you could test a couple hundred thousand students that morning outside of Nippert Stadium and get the results back. And I'm sure you could maybe find a sponsor to, to pony up for that. I think they're 30-something dollars a test. It'd be about $30,000. The UC, the, the ruckus brought to you by. Yeah. I mean, it's, just, <laughs> it's hard to, it's hard to be like, keep doing these things. Okay. We did all these things. Like now can we like, you know, we play, we, we did it. Like we've done it. Yeah. Ohio's, Ohio, the whole state's positivity rates under three. Like we're doing a great job. Yep. Yeah. You know, Comparatively speaking, it's the second largest state in the country with the lowest positivity rate outside of New York. Like, I'm not saying it's over by any stretch, but like, hey, we've, we've done a good job. Like, let some kids go to a game. Let some people go to a baseball game. Like, it's time to, like, let them choose if they want to take on the, the risk that they know is out there. But, you know, I'm sure a lot of those students would love to go watch their team play when they're ranked 13th in the country (laughs) or 14th, whatever it is now Um, that other teams are now entering the polls. How how many, how many, um, how many games do you think we're going to have on December 12th? 12th. Um, like 500. Are teams going to be playing double headers on December 12th? 
<laughs> no, I don't think they'll be playing double headers. But I think, uh, especially like, okay, I was just, I laughed at this right away when they did this, like the Big Ten. They've built in no yeah, buffer no, for themselves. I, right. So we've seen roughly 50 games played so far. Now, obviously, that number is going to jump up a bunch as the SEC enters the fray and other teams play more games. But, like, we've seen 50 games so far, and we've had 20 postponements. So that number is just going to stop in, in the middle of October when the Big Ten comes back? Like, the Big Ten is having just as much problems, if not more problems, right now. Like, Michigan State's been paused for I don't know how many weeks. Wisconsin was paused. There's other states like Illinois. Like, I don't think their guys have even been allowed to do anything up until recently. So all all of a sudden, they're just not going to have any games against each other that have to get postponed. And if – what happens if Ohio State has two games postponed? And they play six games. They're 6-0, and they go to the conference championship, but they're 6-0. Guess what they're not doing? Getting in over 10-1 Georgia – or 10 and 1 Notre Dame like not happening buddy sorry they'll still get in over 11 and 0 Cincinnati maybe i don't see that's not my goal like that's the fun thing to talk about but that's the goal is still win the conference win the conference championship go to a new year's six game if something wild happens and they go to the playoff whatever i mean we'll celebrate it'll be awesome but that shouldn't be like that shouldn't be people's expectation having to understand how hard it is to go into field, how hard it is People, to get up people's expectation are this defense is going to give up 0.0 yards a game <laughs> well that was when i when we were driving up to michigan i did like a quick little like you know ask me whatever on twitter and i thought it was an interesting one it made me think a little bit but it was like over under 14 points for the defense and i'm like no way no way under i'm like so i looked it up and only, I think it was only four teams gave up less than 20 points a game last year. Yeah. Yeah, it's so, hard. Yeah. Teams, teams gain yards in college football these days. They score points. Like, I had somebody questioning Sauce's ability because they caught a bunch of four-yard passes in front of him. Isn't that what you want? Yeah, that's ideal. So like, catch all the four-yard passes in front of me you want, guys. Like, you're not going to go score seven touchdowns doing that. <laughs> this week was – I mean, you knew it was going to be fun when the game had been over for four seconds and somebody started a threat on the quarterbacks. I, uh, on a day, Des really... goes 13 for 19 and, you know, looks, looks exactly how you want him to look. That one's that yeah, one's never going away. About two hundred yards passing and like one ninety six yards rushing. Yeah. Yep. Gotta gotta get rid of that guy. Look look yeah. when he plays bad. Okay, if he plays 68, bad, sixty eight percent, two touchdowns, no interceptions. That's exactly that's exactly if, what if you I want. Get, if I get two hundred fifty to three hundred total yards out of him every game, I'm fine with yeah a two with a at least a two to three to one touchdown interception ratio 
Fine. And and sixty five plus percent passing. Sixty three, sixty five percent. Yeah, golden. Sign me up. Yeah. All right. Well, you got anything else? Um, I don't think so. Do you have any anything with basketball? Waiting game, man. Basketball is are we, such are we, a. Are they gonna are they gonna play anybody? Are they? <laughs> it the, sounds the, like it. It it's a, it is amazing. Honestly, though, like when did we had a podcast where we talked about how unorganized football was and how there was no way basketball could look at that and go, oh, we can do better. Look, 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 at lo and behold, look Hold at my beer. Hold my beer. Look, there's a bunch of like my network of coaches is pretty wide that I speak to. Nobody knows anything on the non-conference schedule. Uh, we're going to hear probably in the next week or two that the American's going to go to 20. There's some people that have already put it out there uh, I'm, in terms of speculation. That's fine, uh, whatever. I, I'm, yeah, I'm fully expecting 20 games, which leaves seven games uh, non-conference. It sounds like there will be at least two in Orlando uh, for the, the preseason NIT. I'm sure you would like to schedule another one or two down there if you're down there, if possible. Um, I don't see Louisville happening this year. Yeah. Um, Tennessee probably won't. No, I could see Tennessee just being like, we're, we're, we're done. Like we're moving on from that. Um, although it's at in Knoxville. It's so there and they're really good this year. So, I mean, they might want to play another good team. Um, um, the Xavier game I, should I, happen. Yeah, I mean, you're talking proximity, and I mean, right. just Justin said on the radio today that, that Xavier could ride their bikes to UC. I would pay to see that, like in their in their uniforms with like a backpack on, with their shoes in the backpack, like riding a bike, <laughs> uh, the three miles from campus to campus. I would I would pay to see that. Um, but other than that, man, nobody knows anything. I mean, do we do, and, we, do we get because of the relationship and the proximity, do we maybe get a UCUD game this year? Maybe. I don't know how much those two guys want to really play each other. In a weird year, though, do you just say like, "Let's just play"? Like, maybe both maybe. teams kind of kind of rebuilding a little bit. I I, I wouldn't say no. I, I have not heard that rumor yet, but I wouldn't. Completely oh, I'm, I haven't either. I was just thinking, you know, because no. you're looking for seven non-conference games, and you might be more willing to do something that you probably wouldn't do under normal circumstances. You know, you can make it happen. It's close. Um, yeah, maybe this is the year to to, to maybe do that. Maybe, I, I won't rule it out. Certainly. Um, I would think if they can find a way to make NKU happen, uh, you know. Yeah, that's another one that would make sense. It would. I'm sure it would make John happy to do the NKU thing without fans in yeah. the stands for a year. <laughs> um, I look. I think he would get a very warm welcome from NKU fans. Sure. I mean, why wouldn't he? he went to the tournament. They won. I mean, you think you're just going to stay there forever? They accelerated their process probably a <laughs> right. decade. Like, they qualified for the NCAA tournament their first year eligible. They win the league the next year, go to the NIT, and then qualify for the tournament in year three. I would think you would get a standing ovation and maybe a flippant statue. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it's a, it's a complete shit show. It really is. Uh, nobody, mean, nobody knows anything. How, how do you watch what happened all summer? And not. Yeah. And just go, I don't care what we got to do. We cannot replicate that. And then that's exactly what they're doing. Well, the, the bubble stuff is, it, it, I cannot stop laughing. Like I saw yesterday, there was reports of a hundred team bubble in Las Vegas. That is not a bubble. It's a party. It's like 100 a hundred teams. It's like a small town. Yeah. What are we doing? A hundred teams in a bubble in Vegas. It's not a bubble. A hundred. <laughs> what? What? Fifteen hundred college kids at like two hotels in Vegas. You're gonna. You're gonna. You're gonna bubble them. Yeah. You'd need. You'd need. Freaking. Uh, armed assault guards, armed guards with assault rifles at the doors to keep those kids from getting out of those every hotels. Elevate, every elevator, you know, area, you just have guards. Yeah. Mil- military police just standing there. Go back to your room. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. I, I, as soon as I have something, I'll let you guys know. But uh, I've had conversations as recently last, as last night with coaches around the country that just say we have we have no idea practice is going to probably is that just because they're like getting no direction on what they can and can't do yeah there's no nothing's really set yet they set that november 25th date but the the conferences haven't set their schedules the conferences haven't set how many games are going to be played so you don't know how many opportunities you're going to have um, that the American goes to 22 of those games are probably going to be in December. Right, because so, didn't they play the first conference game last year on New Year's Day? Yeah. So you're going to have to have at least a week of conference games in December. Uh, so you're not going to be able to be in a bubble. They've now put that Christmas gap in there where you're off for like four days over Christmas. So you can't do anything over Christmas. Um, who knows, Dave? Nobody, nobody knows anything on this right now. I wish there was a better answer, but the people far higher up the food chain have less idea of what's going on than football knew back in August. Here's my real question, though. How do I get one of these jobs where I make (laughs) a crap load of money and don't actually, like, have to do anything? When I I figure out and take one of those jobs, I'll try to bring you with me. I mean, we should start like a search firm slash NCA consultant company. Just be like, that, you guys. That, that also organizes uh, tournaments. Bubble. 100 Bubbles. team bubbles. Yeah. Yeah. Holy cow. All right. Well, we, cut, we filled that 20 minutes. Job well done. And uh, everybody, make sure you're at the Holy Grail. Saturday, 3.30, watch party as the Bearcats take on Army, number 14 versus number 22. First game between two ranked teams in Nippert Stadium since 2008. So it will be a big day at the Holy Grail. Thanks to everybody that went. I heard the, the watch party for uh, Austin P was wildly successful. So thanks to everybody that showed up. You are greatly appreciated. Keep supporting the Grail as they continue to support Bearcat Journal. Um, 
make it happen. Enjoy your afternoon. Hopefully it's another, it, you couldn't have had a more delightful Saturday for football. That kind of broke my heart that, that no fans were allowed to, uh, to take in that contest because it was awesome. But Yeah, given that we've had a lightning delay one year and the hottest game in the history yeah. of college football another year. Like, this time it's 65 and not a cloud in the sky and just a nice cool breeze. You could not have scripted a better day. And, of course, it's the day that no fans are allowed in the stands. That sucked. I felt bad about it. But, oh, well. All right. Thank you, Dave. Thank you. He's Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. We'll see you next week. It's the Holy Grail BCJ podcast right here on BearcatJournal.com.